Welcome to the Widely Optimized Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Terea Rodriguez, and I'm joined by the lovely co-host, Evie Takis. Both of us are functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners, and we love working with women from all over the world through our virtual programs, helping women not only feel better, but actually achieve that vibrant, no-holds-barred version of themselves they've been missing for a long time. And how we actually get there? Well, that is what this show is all about. Now, please keep in mind that this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. And if you like what you hear today, we would love for you to hit that follow button, leave a review in Apple podcast, share with your friends and keep coming back for more. Let's start today's adventure, shall we? Hey everybody, Terea here. So this week we're doing something a little bit different on the podcast. We are going to be doing a replay. So several weeks ago, I was honored to be interviewed on the Gab Lab podcast with Michael Wilson. And that conversation was so amazing and so fun that we wanted to share it here too, because it's perfect content for the Wildly Optimized Wellness Podcast as well. So Michael has given us permission to do that replay. And so you get a chance to listen to it this week. Enjoy. Welcome to Gab Lab, a show where we tinker with titillating topics and explore the fulgent excellence of existence. We cover a wide range of subjects that are sure to intrigue you. So stick around and stay curious. In today's episode of the Gab Lab, I will be talking with Torea Rodriguez. This is a really fun episode. I think anyone who is dealing with chronic illness or autoimmune disorders would really benefit from hearing Torea's story. After completing her undergraduate degree in biochemistry, Torea has embodied transformation and self-discovery. She's worked at some of the leading dot-com Silicon Valley companies, has held executive positions, and she used to be a professional pilot flying jets for private families and charter companies out of the San Francisco Bay Area. Her diagnosis of two debilitating autoimmune diseases brought her back to biochemistry, not only achieving full remission, but also a certification as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. During that time, discovered her love for coaching and the process of transformation. Today, Torea is an expert coach, wilderness retreat leader, and former professional pilot. She's been a functional medicine practitioner for more than a decade, and she works with clients all over the world to support and help reverse chronic illness and putting symptoms into remission. She also curates exceptional transformational experiences for clients in health, wellness, and business. Her methodologies are based in functional medicine and neurolinguistic programming principles, yet takes it to a whole new level with her self-designed bio-neuro-blueprint process so clients can understand and support their entire being by addressing not only the physical, but also the emotional, spiritual, and energetic bodies. She's passionate that every client can live their lives to the full, no-holds-barred version of their dreams. She leads the Wellness Curiosity Collective private community. The unique 12-week transformational 
Academy that can be enhanced with functional medicine and or personalized one-to-one -one work. In addition to being an active practitioner with Mycology Psychology, she also hosts the Wildly Optimized Wellness Podcast and curates several in-person retreats across the country each year. Hello, Torea. Welcome to the show. Hi, Michael. I'm happy to be here. This is exciting. Yeah, super excited to have you on. And uh, you know, we, we had talked a few times and um, with the Mycology Psychology Group, um, and then you sent me over your bio, and I I didn't realize, like, you have a very diverse and accomplished bio. So congratulations on all the things you've accomplished in your life. Thank you. I think that's a culmination of having many, many interests and um, also having the ability to go deep on some things, which is kind of what's led to the various different uh, career shifts in my history. So it's been it's been fun. Yeah, super cool. I mean, I, I was like looking at your bio and I was like, I don't even know where to begin, but I definitely want to start with like, just like your, your career flying jets. Like that sounds sure. so cool. Like I I've actually like dreamt of like being a pilot myself. So mm -hmm. like, if you could just share like how you started that, like how that, how that was for you. Yeah. So, uh, it wasn't on my radar. Um, I was working in Silicon Valley in tech companies and my husband and I got married and we honeymooned in Alaska. And one of our dear close friends from college is born and raised in Alaska. And she had just recently learned how to fly her dad's airplane because it's a way of life up there. That's how they transport around. And so she got to kind of participate in some of our honeymoon shenanigans and she flew us to a couple different locations. And when we were flying with her, I was just kind of like, wow, this is really cool that she, here she is. She's flying an airplane and uh, maybe I could kind of pick that up as a hobby or something because I was definitely feeling the like cubicle burnout thing mm -hmm. going on at that time. And so we came back from honeymoon and I started lessons. And the way my husband tells the story is within three days, I came home and basically announced that I was going to change careers and become a professional pilot. And I'm doing this. And um, that's pretty much what happened. I basically treated it like a master's degree. So yeah. I would study at night and then I get my arse up in the morning super early and I'd be at the airport at 630 doing a lesson or doing a simulator lesson like it didn't really matter. And then I would go do my day job and I'd rinse and repeat. And I did that for about three years to work through all of the different civilian trainings and then uh, became a flight instructor, did that part time. And when I finally got enough of a client base, I went full time. And wow. so I so did flight instruction for a number of years before I started getting into charter. Yeah. So that that's amazing. I mean, you I've heard of people going through flight school and it usually takes them a lot longer than three years uh, because of all the hours you have to get. Um, so that's amazing. You're able yeah. to do it that quick. And did you have your own plane or like, did you rent a plane? Like, no. Yeah. I had to rent a plane at the local flight school. And so, uh, any of my uh, Silicon Valley like salary was basically being shuttled, you know, over to plane rental and instructor paying the instructors for that. Um, gotcha. Yeah. It cost about the same as a master's degree at the end of the day. 
Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, you know, I, I was weighing it out between that or going back to grad school. And so that's what I ended up choosing to do. Wow. That's super cool. And, and yeah. you're flying like private families, um, just kind of like private flights kind of thing. Yeah. So I kind of knew that I wasn't really interested in doing the airline thing. Like I wasn't interested in doing the same shuttle or the same routes all the time. Um, so I was looking at charter and I was looking at corporate and both of those are, are similar, um, mm -hmm. where, you know, you're, you're on a variable schedule. And so I started flying for a charter company, moved into turboprops with them. And while I was working at the, uh, charter company, that's when I ended up getting my jet type rating. And so I got my jet type rating and it was actually corporate. So private family who had uh, jets based out of the Oakland airport that I flew with them and their other pilots in their crews. So I kind of did a mix of both. And then of course, in 2008, the charter company went bankrupt. <laughs> so okay. I yeah. ended up doing a lot of uh, private family work and mm -hmm. flying turboprops and jets that way. And so I did all of that up until... I got a medical diagnosis that was per particularly hard to treat and um, took a leave of absence. So that was in 2010 okay. is when I took a leave of absence and took a quite a detour, shall yeah. we say. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And that was, um, that's definitely like something I, I wanted to segue into is how, I mean, it's just, you hear this so much with people in their healing process. Um, a lot of times people begin with their own healing and they get really mm -hmm. into uh, functional medicine or herbal herbalism or natural living. Um, and, you know, you, you had shared that you had um, some autoimmune disorders that kind of yeah. drove you down the path to functional uh, diagnostic nutrition. And I was just wondering if you could like share a little bit about that in your, your experience. Sure. So in aviation, I'm going to back up back to aviation for a little bit. When you ever get a diagnosis or a prescription medication, you need to declare it with the FAA. And, um, so I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's pretty okay. common. Yeah. Thought it was going to be an easy thing. Right. So, um, I declared the medication that I was taking. They had put me on Synthroid at the time I was working with an endocrinologist and because you declare, when you declare, you end up getting put into a different classification for your medicals called special issuance, uh, medical. And, uh, that just basically means I get to go see the aviation medical doctor more often, but it also meant for me, for Hashimoto's, they wanted to see a particular blood marker TSH in a particular range. One to five doesn't sound super hard to get the TSH in between one and five, but they needed to see consistent lab reports that showed that it's stable in that range. Okay. My story, though, is that we couldn't get it stable. It would be 0 0.01, and then it would be 15, and then it would be three, and then it would be 12, and it was just going all over the place. And so it was... <laughs> It was about a month before I had to go see my aviation medical examiner and I was in the endocrinologist's office and I said, look, we got to get this stable. What are we going to do? And he's like, I don't really know what else to do except for irradiate the thyroid and cut out the rest of the tissue. And I was like, no, uh, no, oh my <laughs> that's gosh. a little extreme. 
And it just, it didn't, it didn't resonate with me very well because Hashimoto's is a very common issue amongst women. There are millions of women that are treating their Hashimoto's Mm -hmm. not with surgery. And um, so I just um, elected at that point. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. I just, is it an overactive thyroid? Is that what's going on? Hashimoto's is um, characterized as an underactive thyroid. It is related to um, an overactive thyroid condition. Um, The name is escaping me at the moment, of course, because we're recording. Um, (laughs) But Graves' disease. So Graves' is when the thyroid is overactive. Hashimoto's is when it's underactive. A lot of people start with Graves'. And then because it does enough damage to the tissue in the thyroid, then they end up with Hashimoto's. Um, Yeah. So it was an underactive thyroid. And I just decided that I was going to take a leave of absence to go kind of see if I can't figure out a different way of doing it. And um, I grew up with hippie parents. So I grew up with, you know, a vegetable farm and, you know, (laughs) horse ranch and all of those things. And we shopped at a natural food store, not at a grocery store. Um, So I kind of knew like there was something else missing. And during my leave of absence, I, of course, hit Dr. Google really hard and uh, found a gentleman by the name of Chris Kresser, who's pretty well known in the functional medicine space now. I I know of him. Yeah. Yeah. um, He had written a blog article about Hashimoto's and how it's an autoimmune condition. And that when we have an autoimmune condition, that it's not a disease of the organ in which is being quote unquote untacked. It's a disease of the immune system. And so you need to kind of like go for that root cause and, and figure that out. And I read that and that clicked and I was like, that makes so much sense. Okay, where's this guy? I don't care if he's in Boston, Chicago, I don't care. I'm going to go see him. And I got lucky because he was in the Bay Area at the time and he was in a little office in Berkeley and he took on my case and that's how it got started. And that's how I kind of, yeah, got hooked on the functional medicine side of stuff. That's amazing. So was uh was it is it caused by um an overactive immune system um that is like making the thyroid overactive and then like burning it out and then it's like underactive like how does that function i mean i'm you know my whole path is on healing and stuff so like and especially autoimmune things really fascinate me um yeah and as you know a lot of uh mushrooms uh, a lot you know reishi turkey tail chaga a lot of these mushrooms are immunomodulators yes uh, they so are they can help people with underactive immune systems upregulate or overactive or you know producing autoimmune disorders help their immune system underregulate um so could you describe like a little bit of the the functionality of like the immune issue with the hashimotos yeah i mean the way that i describe all autoimmune conditions is <clears throat> there's there's a couple of different things that are at play here. So we know that autoimmunity is directly connected to a condition called leaky gut or intestinal permeability. Right. And intestinal permeability basically in layman's terms means more things are getting into the inside of the body because we've got these giant holes, if you can imagine these giant holes in our intestines and we're... <clears throat> 
allowing things to get across that barrier that are much larger antigens. Um, Antigen is the scientific word for, you know, a piece of food, for example, instead of it being digested down to an amino acid, it's a piece of protein that Mm. goes across, right? So Mm -hmm. it's a much larger particle that goes across. So what will happen in that case is the immune system sees it and it's like, oh, this is an invader. And so then it will build these antibodies towards these antigens. And when it builds the antibodies, what we have is we have what's called molecular mimicry. And the antigen for a particular protein that's found in gluten, so it's called the gliadin, that's a protein um, uh, metabolite, if you will, of gluten becomes gliadin. Gliadin crosses that that barrier. Mm-hmm. We get an antibody to gliadin. Well, guess what? It looks just like if you're looking at a lock and key, so I'll use my knuckle, right? If this is gliadin and the antibody is attaching to this site, this site looks just like thyroid tissue. Oh. Yes. So okay. the immune system then recognizes thyroid tissue that looks just like this and then will tag those cells for destruction. Okay. And so that's the mechanism by which autoimmunity happens. So leading up to those things, you know, there's a lot of things that can contribute to leaky gut. Um, it's not the only mechanism. We also know that uh, certain types of infectious disease can trigger autoimmunity and that molecular mimicry thing to happen. And so really underlying all of this is looking at a much broader spectrum of people's overall health. And so once Chris and I started to do that, then I started to see some of my symptoms from the Hashimoto's start to get a lot better. And, um, he found a lot, (laughs) put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I do know, I do know somebody with Hashimoto's. I know a couple of people with Hashimoto's. Um, if you had any suggestions for them, I know you yourself are a, a wellness coach and you've, you've dealt with this on your yeah. own. Yeah. Um, what, what steps do you think that they should take to uh, begin their path of healing? Probably well, definitely, somebody like you, right? <laughs> I would say find a functional medicine practitioner that can help you because there's a lot of different aspects here. There's Diet, lifestyle, how are you mitigating the stressors that we have in this world? All of these things can go into creating this condition or this like perfect storm of things to happen. Um, a great place to start, especially for people with Hashimoto's. I'm not going to talk about graves because that's a different antigen, but mm-hmm. with Hashimoto's, getting rid of gluten like hands down will help those thyroid antibodies come down because now we're not constantly introducing gliadin to the environment and, you know, creating more and more antibodies. So the less the immune system sees the quote unquote invader, the less that those antibodies are going to hang around. And then those antibodies will come down, which will then allow the thyroid to do its job. Um, But I would say definitely working with somebody from that functional medicine perspective that can take that 30,000 foot view and really look at your entire history. Because we know now for autoimmune, it's not just the food we eat and the lifestyle that we lead. It's also 
very connected to the childhood traumatic events that we have. And so mm. there's something called the ACE scores, which is the adverse childhood events. Okay. I'm not sure if you've heard of ACE scoring, but you can find a quiz on the internet for ACE score. And it talks about, you know, your childhood, like what kinds of things did you witness? What kinds of things did you experience? And people with higher ACE scores are highly correlated with autoimmune disease. So really? we know, yes. Wow. Yeah. And so wow. it's unhealed trauma. That makes so much sense. I mean, there's so many things like there's so there's been so much coming out lately about like how much of our body problems are emotional or mental uh, damage that has has been done, you know, currently or in the past, and yeah. how much of it is purely physical. And I think that we're finding that a lot of it is mental, emotional, spiritual. Um, yeah. And it's it's wild because it's like, you know, you think about like the analogy of like how our body is attacking itself and how it's mm -hmm. like, it's like basically saying like, <laughs> it's like you're saying to yourself, I don't want you. And, and how much of people's childhoods is like being rejected by family members, parents, you know, loved ones. And, and, and like the world is like affirming that, that trauma cycle. Um, how much negative self-talk does somebody have? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. You know, my, my practice early on was all about the biochemistry. So, you know, I had an undergraduate degree in biochemistry, so it was definitely pretty fitting that I was <laughs> learning this functional medicine stuff. And Chris, man, bless his heart. He put up with every single email that I would come back and say, Hey, do you have a couple research articles that I can read about molecular mimicry? Or, you know, he fed me PubMed articles all the nice. time. And I, nice. I was just eating it up. Right. So, uh, in the first, I would say half of my practice. So I've been doing this now for just over a decade. Um, I would really just focus on the physical, on the biology piece of it, the biochemistry piece of it. And what I started to notice is that while a lot of clients felt better, they maybe got to that 80% better and then they would plateau. And so I started asking myself, is there more, is there something else here that can be related to why we're not getting past the, the biochemistry piece of it? And I personally got interested in um, mindset for sure, like what's going on in terms of attitude and, you know, thoughts and that kind of thing. And that led me down the path of getting certified um, as a spiritual coach which then led me towards doing my most recent uh, trainings using things like neurolinguistic programming, subconscious work, emotional processing, energetics. Like it's really become clear to me in the last several years that we're dealing with more than just the physical body. Mm -hmm. We are dealing with the emotional body, the energetic body, and the spiritual body. And if yeah. we are not taking a look at that, it's beyond 30,000 foot view now. It is like, universal view meta, right? meta, we're meta. not taking the meta view of it we're missing an important piece of it Absolutely. and so as i went through those trainings i was discovering my own trauma events from childhood and healing those things and learning how to process emotions in a healthy way 
and learning how to access the subconscious through language and different kinds of exercises and all of that stuff. And I started to notice that while I had, with Chris's help and just focusing on the biology, the Hashimoto's went into remission, the Raynaud's didn't, and oh, the migraines didn't. Yes. Okay. My wife has Raynaud's as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I started to look at the other aspects of it, it really helped me start to put those other symptoms into remission. And wow. the Raynaud's just recently is completely gone. Wow. Like I can, I can do cold plunges now and not have cadaver hands at the wow. end of it, That's which is amazing. pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, man, there's just so much there. Like, I thank you so much for sharing all that. It's so, so beautiful to, to hear your own healing journey. And the fact that you are helping others is, is just, you know, amazing. And I love how you started with, um, you know, your undergrad in biochemistry and through the process of all of that, like you realized, like you, you're able to witness that, like, this is, there's, there's more to this picture than just yeah. the, the molecules, right. And the compounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's something that's really missing, even in herbalism. Um, like, you know, a lot of times, I mean, yeah, definitely Western medicine. It's just like, you know, we're just, you know, we're just molecules and compounds and cells. And, um, you know, we, we have these, like, we'll have these moments in hospitals where like, you know, we, we do studies on how people that are prayed for, um, are, you know, have, have, uh, quicker and better healing. Um, yeah. And we, we don't under, understand it. You know, it's the placebo and it's like, well, the placebo is a real factor. And if you believe something, um, you know, it, it is to be true. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, I, th I think it's amazing that you incorporate not only the biochemistry, which is like, you know, a, a whole other level of like understanding the physical health, but also getting deeper into these emotional, um, spiritual, mental and, and quantum healing um, it's just amazing. Uh, so, you know, like how, how do you incorporate like NLP with your clients? You know, like, could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So NLP stands for neuro linguistic programming. And when you go through a certification for NLP, I quickly realized that it's, it's an amalgam of a lot of different techniques from psychotherapy and hypnosis and all sorts of different techniques are, are brought together, but in a way that really allows us to work with the subconscious and work with somebody's limiting beliefs or decisions that they've made to allow them to shift. And when they shift, and I was, um, lucky enough to be trained by in this NLP program by a medical doctor who brought in a ton of neurology, which was right up my alley. And so yeah. what we understand now is that when we are doing these exercises um, or coaching guided, it's kind of like guided visualization, to be quite honest, like that's what the experience is like. Um, and when we're doing it, though, <clears throat> we're starting to see that we can use language to give us clues as to when the actual neural pathways are disconnecting and breaking down the old ones and the new ones are being created. And mm -hmm. so it's 
fascinating to me because I can be in session and I can understand when that is happening. And so we're literally changing the neurology of the brain. And so the last like four years, instead of biochemistry, I've been really geeking out on psychoneuroimmunology, which is the area of science that looks at how is what's going on in the mind affecting the biology. So we know that a gratitude practice, for example, Hmm. can have a direct impact on our secretory IgA levels. And secretory IgA is that primary, like first line of defense of the immune system. And it can raise secretory IgA. So, you know, what's going on in the mind that is allowing the biology to respond to it. And that's effectively what is going on in psychoneuroimmunology is that whatever we do in our brain, our biology will respond. So if you look at studies of say a pianist or an Olympic diver, for example, and they do visualization, um, the study with the diver. So, uh, was more of visualizing the perfect dive, but not practicing the perfect dive. So they took a couple different divers and, and did this and they both improved their dive scores. One was doing it physically. The other one was doing it mentally. Same thing with uh, like finger strength. They were testing finger strength. Mm -hmm. Somebody was visualizing the exercises for finger strength and somebody was doing the exercises for finger strength and they measured the strength of the fingers and they both improved. Wow. So the, the body doesn't really know the difference between the uh, movie that's going on in our mind and yeah. reality, which <laughs> holy moly, it, it then goes, we can get into this whole ways. other discussion about what's, what's really real. Right. But we'll keep it a little bit simple for today, but that is, and I can't even remember your first question as to how I got on this topic, but yeah. this is one of the, Oh, how do I incorporate the NLP, NLP stuff? Yeah. So I will pretty much start somebody with understanding what is their story about their illness, their life, really kind of pulling out, like, what are these recurring thoughts that they're having? What are these recurring beliefs? Oftentimes somebody with chronic illness, they move into subconsciously, but they move into an identity of somebody who has chronic illness, right? Somebody who cannot be fixed, somebody who will always be sick. And if the biology is responding to the mind, guess what's happening? So I'll take, you're going to stay sick. Yeah. You're going to stay sick. So we will start to work on where did those, where did those beliefs come from? And almost always they're, they're beliefs that were decided a long time ago. They're just being reinforced. Right. right. And right. and that's what's led them to it. So I will do sessions like that in the beginning and throughout their program with me. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're also, if they want to, not everybody has to do testing, but if they want to, they can elect to do some testing. We'll respond to the testing. We'll do the protocols just like we would without, but we're adding this extra layer of working with the mind and working the, with the brain's neurology to basically quicken the healing process. And it's been pretty uh, amazing to see some of the results of what can happen with this kind of thing. Yeah. This, um, wow. Honestly, I'm just loving this conversation. This is like, 
I I am so all about like everything you're saying is just so cool. Um, because in my own personal life, I know that my mental state has affected my physical health. And if I look at like, even, um, like my birth, my birth chart, um, for astrology or like my birthday book, if you've ever read the birthday book, it's amazing. Um, it goes through like every day of the year. And like, if you're born on this day, um, it's a little, it's, it's like a little deeper than astrology. Um, it's very Mm -hmm. specific, but, um, basically it said like, I'm going to have perfect health as long as I take care of my mental health. And so Mm -hmm. my mental health is like number one. Uh, and then like the body kind of takes care of itself after that. And, um, some things that I like to do to incorporate positive mental health is gratitude daily. Um, you know, uh, affirmations, um, uh, a meditation practice. Um, and then the, I mean, this is physical, but you know, physical health, um, working out, doing stretching yoga and stuff like that. And then, um, one thing I've been doing lately is, um, making time for play every day. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And, um, it's, it, for me, it's kind of like, you know, I, I take all the supplements. I mean, I make supplements, you know, I'm, I'm taking all these things. Um, and I, I forget where I heard this quote, but it was like, it doesn't matter how many supplements you take, all the organic food you eat. If your mental state is in a negative place, like your 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 health is going to be ruined. Um, yeah. I mean, we know just from, I mean, I could just say cortisol alone, you know, like cortisol, the stress hormone, if you have a mental stress um, and it's the same thing with what you're talking about with like the the body and the mind doesn't know the difference between watching the movie experiencing the movie or even listening to somebody explain something like it's all the same to the mind and so if we watch something violent if we see something violent or if we commit violence there is no difference to the mind so we're going to go into that fight or flight response but the beauty of it it works the other way too and that's that's where like the kind of work that you do comes in and uh that's just so beautiful that like we can kind of rewrite the script anytime we want. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that people, the message isn't out there enough that we have a lot more choice in what is happening. I'll say to us, even though that's not the language that I would use, we have more choice in that. Right. So a lot of people, live in this world of effect versus cause. And that's what, what we're talking about is people who are convinced that the life is happening to them are living in effect. They're living in response to their thoughts of the perception that they chose about that scenario. And I'm not saying that people don't have circumstances. We all have circumstances, right? It's our perception to those circumstances that is super, super important. And that is what will determine the outcome. So um, we can be in cause of that and instead choose what kind of perception we want to have about that circumstance or that scenario. And that will completely change the trajectory for somebody with regard to healing. And so that's a lot of that kind of like language work where we have to be really careful about what words are we using? Is life happening to us? Mm-hmm. Am I like, why is this always happening to me? Well, 
maybe because you're sticking with the same perception about the same kind of scenario. And so it does take a little bit of um, faith to switch to thinking about things a little bit differently. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's interesting because when we start to think about, oh, I have more choice in this, we can start to choose what kinds of thoughts we want to have. And then we can start to put those on repeat, which becomes a habit, right? Right. That becomes more of a temperament. And then the more we practice gratitude, oh, now I'm somebody who practices gratitude. And suddenly we're talking in the language of identity. Right. Right. And so it's this identity shift really is what I do with people. I help them shift their identity because when we are acting out of the identity of somebody who practices gratitude, guess what? Gratitude practice is easy. It isn't one of those like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta write down three stupid things that I'm grateful for. (laughs) Right. Cause that used to be me. Right. Right. So let's just be clear. Like I hated, (laughs) yeah, I hated doing the gratitude practice because it felt fake. Well, of course it felt fake. It wasn't something that I was used to. And so I think it's a lovely dynamic to be able to meld these different things together and start to work with the subconscious in this way to help people make transitions. And then the biology follows. Almost always people feel better, pain goes away. And I've had people go through one of my programs without labs and supplements. Many people go through my programs without labs and supplements. Right. And they shift in their biology and their symptoms go into remission. And it's like nothing other than like miraculous. And I don't want to say miraculous because then it's like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, now we're like having these miracle healings. That's not the case. They did the work. They shifted their whole like identity into something else and their biology changed as a result. Yeah. And I, and all it, all it took was, well, discipline, but, but having faith. Um, mm. and, and, it, yeah. and it's really like, it's faith in their own healing ability. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I have this on my wall, the serenity prayer, you know, God or universe love, whatever you want to call it, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And mm. it's not about what happens to you. It's how you respond. Um, Absolutely. And, and like, I, I've had plenty of hardships in my life. I've had plenty of amazing things in my life. And I think that one ethos I like to carry, which I believe really does impact my life is I only have two things in life. I have blessings and blessings in disguise. And if I can't recognize that something has happened for me, if I think that it's happened to me, um, then I'm I'm still stuck in the the victim mode, right? And whenever I recognize that things happen for me, even if it's something like devastating, you know, like my best friend dying when I'm 21, like what yeah. what's the purpose behind this? I I don't know yet, but but what, how has it informed my life and how how have I become uh, a more emotionally deep person or um, just whatever it is? And and so it's not this like rose colored glasses kind of thing. It's like, how has this informed my, my life? It's very grounded. It's very practical. Um, 
And I do believe that that has changed my trajectory in life. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a work in progress. Um, but I am also very careful with the words that I say, because as cliche as it is, you know, so a lot of people say like, you know, spelling, you know, like you're spelling, you're casting spells, but it's very true. The words that you say to other people, to yourself, they imprint onto you and you're either reaffirming and solidifying stuck patterns or you're reaffirming or making new affirmations for um, new evolutionary patterns patterns in that kind of quantum healing level. Um, Absolutely. And yeah. one of my favorite authors is Jen Sincero, and she has this saying in all of her books that is what we focus on is what we experience. And it is yeah. so, 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 so true. And, you know, she, she has a book about money. So if we're going to focus on an empty bank account, guess what we're going to have is an empty bank account. And right. it seems illogical at first when you hear that. You're like, wait, what? How <laughs> does that really happen? But when we start to focus in on symptoms, right? So if we're bringing that back to health and we start to focus on the headaches, or we're starting to focus on the fatigue, or we're starting to focus on the, the GI issues. We are using language, usually, of mm -hmm. like, this is always going to happen. I wake up, I wonder if I'm going to have, you know, terrible bowel movements today, or I wonder if I'm going to have a headache today. We're basically calling it forth from our subconscious. So the subconscious is like, blah, 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 headache. Oh, I heard headache here. Here's, Here's a, headache. a headache on a silver platter. And so if we start <laughs> looking at yeah. the language, instead of saying, I don't want to have a headache, what well, what do you want to have instead? Right. What's going to take its place? So we have to say something different in like, I just want to feel like things are going to be easier. I, I want to feel, um, I don't even want to use the word less because it's challenging, right? To think of the language of like, ooh, less pressure in the head. Well, what do we want to feel instead of less pressure in the head? Lightness clarity, in the head. Clarity yeah. of thought. Right. right? I want to have clarity of thought today. Right. right. You say those things and guess what's going to happen? The brain knows, oh, clarity of thought. Okay, so that means that we need to create these neurochemicals and these hormones and these kinds of things to happen in the body to mm -hmm. produce clarity of thought. Right. But if we're constantly thinking about the headache, it's like, oh, okay, that's different neurotransmitters, different hormones, different chemical messengers activate that pain loop. Okay. We gotcha. Right. right? You're like, right. Oh God, why is this <laughs> happening? Yeah. Um, and does it take practice? Yes. It absolutely takes practice. It's not like we can magically cast a spell with our words, which we kind of are. Um, but we can't say it once and have it stick. It's yeah. got to be repeated and it's got to be a habit because mm -hmm. the moment it becomes a habit, then we start consciously, stop consciously thinking about it. Then it enters into the subconscious and guess what? Now it's an automatic thing that just happens. Yeah, And I am no longer the one who is having headaches all the time. I am right. somebody who now used to suffer from migraines on right. a regular basis. Right? right. So it's, it's, and did I heal all that with the mind? No, let's be real. Like I did some things for my biology to help it along. Right. But it, it took adding those extra layers 
to really get the last symptoms into remission. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, when, when people are experiencing, um, physical un, unwell, you know, physical health issues and mental health issues and, um, you know, a lack of spiritual connection, it can be so hard because it just feels like life is chaos and it, there's no, there's no way to make sense of any of it. Um, yeah. so it's amazing to like have people like you or like, you know, a lot of this is reminding me of like Joe Dispenza, um, you know, like healing on a quantum level, um, or, you know, other people in the mycology psychology group, um, to be able to see clearly from that meta view, like, oh, here's your different bodies. Like, here's your physical body, your mental body, your emotional body, your spiritual body. Um, you know, like, let's, let's like, you know, it's like a mechanic, like, oh, we just need to fine tune this and then like, you know, work on this. And I just, you know, I, I wish that we had more of this in our society because, you know, like <laughs> healthcare doesn't, you know, pay for these kind of things. Um, and, but the beauty is that once we learn that we, we all have that potential. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I guess I wanted to ask, um, you know, how do, how does psychedelics, um, play into this? Um, if, if you, you know, have clients that work with psychedelics or if you have any opinions on that, um, you know, uh, I feel like it's almost like, you know, I, I've come from spiritual background, psychedelic background, and I've realized that either one will take you to the same place. And you actually don't need to be on one path or the other specifically. Correct. Um, yeah. Like I don't, I don't live in either camp. Right. And there's a lot of people that are like, you know, psychedelic imperialists or spiritual imperialists. They're like, you know, psychedelics are wrong, you know, they're hallucinated, you know, and then, um, you know, don't follow people, follow plants like Terrence McKenna. And I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, sometimes the, it, it can be either way. And, you know, I know with this quantum healing, it almost seems like you don't even need psychedelics, but there's some people that are like spiritually atheistic. And I feel like psychedelics can help them um, in, in, in a way to kind of like jumpstart their healing process. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Wow. You said a lot there that, uh, let's unpack that a little bit. Um, yeah. let's talk about quantum healing first and then I'll come into the psychedelic piece. Sure. Yeah. Um, quantum healing is starting to gain some momentum. I'm starting to see more people talking about it. Um, I'm starting to see more podcasts about it and I'm thrilled because it's not only the language stuff and the subconscious stuff that we've been talking about. It's using what I call and what, you know, my co-host on my podcast, Evie calls free medicine. So the more that we get connected to our planet, the more we get outside, the more that we are doing grounding, the more that we are using these free aspects of our natural world, the more we start to see this kind of healing because, you know, light is comprised of all of these different uh, frequencies and photons that come into the body that allow our cells to work even better. And um, I was listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking about light as a quantum healing modality. And 
what I didn't understand, and I think I knew it kind of at a different level, but I didn't understand the mechanism of what was happening. But now I understand the mechanism is that these different frequencies actually impact the way that the mitochondria are producing ATP and what ATP is being used for. So ATP, I'm going to get really sciencey here for just a second, but ATP is adenosine triphosphate. It is the molecule that our mitochondria produces to give us energy. It's what allows us to feel vibrant and vital. That's what we want. ATP, though, we do know can be used as a signaling molecule. And so what can happen is it gets slightly modified and it's either an energy molecule or it's something that is alerting the other cells next to it that there's danger. It's called the cell danger response. And this is something that happens in chronic illness that the cells go into a cell danger response cycle. And we Mm -hmm. have to complete the cycle to get that to come back so that it's energy. What I didn't understand is that the the photons from sunlight contribute to this mechanism. So when we are not bombarding ourselves with normal sunlight and instead hanging out indoors under UV lights and that kind of thing, our ATP switches to that cell danger response molecule. And so it's fascinating to me because this is photons are the level of quantum healing. And if you get into quantum physics, it's like really massively cool. Um, but that is a way that we can actually change our biology just by simply getting more sunlight exposure, but nobody (laughs) talks about it because we can't fucking trademark. Sorry for the bleep there, but we can't trademark (laughs) sunlight. Right. And so nobody's talking about it and nobody's prescribing sunlight because they can't make any money off of it. And so I've been talking about this for years of like, let's go out, be in nature. I know that there's all sorts of things happening. Uh, You know, there's ions coming off of the trees and there's different phytochemicals coming off of the plants that are actually impacting our immune system. This is the whole Japanese forest bathing right? Mm -hmm. Um, So all of that is part of this idea, at least in my mind of this quantum healing kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, To kind of roll that into your question around where's the place of psychedelics and all of this. um, My primary uh, modality and understanding and and science has been specifically around uh, psilocybin and, and mushroom compounds. I haven't gotten into the whole world of like LSD and MDMA and all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I've found is that psilocybin does the same kind of thing that I do with NLP in the sense of when we're using NLP techniques, we're getting access to the subconscious mind. And we're doing that in a way so that we can get learnings out of certain situations, uh, get learnings out of certain emotions so that we can shift the way that the subconscious mind operates moving forward. Sounds very similar to what psilocybin does, right? Is we get access to that subconscious mind. And so for people who are using psilocybin in that way, it's almost like a uh, shortcut to do the same kind of work with a caveat. Um, 
I think that what's super, super important about any use of any of these plant compounds is that you have somebody to help you with the integration side of it. Yes. Because otherwise Absolutely. we're just using it to have a good time. You know, <laughs> it's like, and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want to do, just have a good time and laugh a lot and have a fun experience. Great. You will have an experience of some learnings there. So in my opinion, it's our responsibility to not only have fun, but to also get what are those learnings? How can I use this information so that I can make shifts and changes moving forward or so that I can really heal some of these traumas? Like for some people using this medicine, they're, they're like, I cried the whole time. I don't understand. I wasn't laughing at it at all. It's like, great, because you're just processing those emotions. And at the same time, you're healing that trauma. So, you know, in, in some sense, like you are served what your subconscious is helping you recognize that you're ready to deal with. And the same thing happens with NLP. We never uncover anything that isn't ready to be dealt with. Like the subconscious will never do that to you. So, um, you know, sometimes it's hard stuff and it's, it's great, but I think there's lots of ways that we can interact with our, and again, this is interacting with our natural world. These compounds come from plants that we are on this planet and we have kind of become part of this ecology. It makes sense to me that we are using them as free medicine. Okay. Most, most people are buying mushrooms. So there's a little, (laughs) you know, exchange of money there, but you get the idea, right? It's like, this is a part of the ecology. Why not use those compounds in a way that is allowing people to do this kind of healing that comes from this psychoneuroimmunology standpoint. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that, um, that's, it's such a, it's such a valuable thing to, to highlight the fact that like the, I, I think the most important part, I mean, obviously set and setting is very, very important because you yes. can create a traumatic experience with mm-hmm. psychedelics rather than healing a traumatic experience. Right. But after that, I think the most important part is integration. Um, It's like, it's like you, you study during that experience. And then like the integrations, like the test, like, okay, how do you, like, how do you apply this? You know, how do you, how do you prove what you learned or like, how do you apply yeah. this to life? Um, Cause I, I know, I know some people that, um, you know, trip after trip after trip and not really much changes. Um, and then I know other people though, like they'll do like one intentional trip, like every year or like, you know, twice a year or once a decade. And it mm-hmm. like, they're really serious about it and they spend a lot of time integrating afterwards and you yeah. can see how they change um, yeah. for a, in a positive way. A so. lot of um, NLP is based off of bringing the learnings out, making them aware, right? So bringing it out into the conscious mind, yeah. um, being able to talk about it. But then the, the key, 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 key thing is what are the actions that somebody is going to take? And that's how we, this is literally, now we're talking about manifestation. How do we take an idea and make it into a 3D reality? It's because there are actions that are taken after that. And so identifying what are those actions that are in alignment with 
the learning or in alignment with the new belief or in alignment with the new identity. Once we have those actions in place, then it's the process of, okay, let's put those actions on repeat Mm -hmm. so that they become that habit, right? And then suddenly we're not thinking about how we're brushing our teeth in the morning. We just get up and do it. Yeah. Right. It just becomes part of who we are. And this is the massive uh, shift that I see in clients. And I think psychedelics have a way of being able to provide that for people without having to um, have it take a lifetime to right. get these learnings. Right. 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 Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel like um, there's, there's, there's some people that are like so stuck in their ways that like that, and, and and maybe they don't have the best discipline either, or maybe they don't have a program or, or a coach like you. Um, and something like psychedelics with really healthy integration can kind of like jackhammer the concrete of their personality mm-hmm. and like really break up the subsoil and like, you know, um, change things up, which can be very terrifying for some people. Um, yeah. So uh, some people just don't have the mental capacity or the the correct, you know, the the mental health for psychedelics. So um, just differentiating, like, you know, if you can say it, you know, um, you know, what what kind of people may be better candidates for NLP versus psychedelics? Mm-hmm. Or is you it know, not it, so simple? It's, <laughs> that's a really great question. I've never actually uh, thought about that before. Um, your, your point about some people don't qualify for psychedelics and qualify is a very loose term because there isn't a lot of uh, authority or governing bodies on the qualification (laughs) there. Um, But there are certain cases where it's ill-advised, put it that way. Right. So, and if, if that's the case, you know, with certain types of mental illness or um, mental episodes or whatever, then NLP would be a great thing because it's just talking. Right. It's It's very safe. There's no compounds involved. We're not changing your brain chemistry in any way. Um, We're not uh, messing with your neurotransmitter receptors in any way. Right. So it's just talking. And, you know, if somebody is skilled in their NLP training, they're going to understand when they are dealing with something that is, maybe highly traumatic or highly triggering for somebody. And there are techniques on how to do this work so that it's a safer approach. There's never um, Mm -hmm. a way that it differs in my mind between traditional uh, CBT is that we're not asking anybody to relive anything. Yeah. And instead we're, we're getting the mind into a state. So into a different kind of brainwave state so that we can actually access the learnings, which yeah. is really, really kind of a, a cool thing. So it's it's open for just about anybody. I think anybody could use NLP. I think most people can use psychedelics as a way to do that. But mm-hmm. again, having somebody to help you figure out, okay, I got all these learnings. It's really about put it, putting the uh, rubber to the road. Yeah. And really starting to put those things into action, that's where the work is. Right. Inner work is not this like it's 
Sure. Some inner work is done in meditation, but it's not the meditation. It's what's done afterwards. Right. Totally. And it's the same kind of yeah. thing with the psychedelic experiences. It's what's yeah. done afterwards. And for people who do microdosing, what I like about microdosing is that it's done at such a sub-perceptual level that you're still able to get these learnings and ahas and new insights, but they come at uh, micro intervals. So yes. it's easier to integrate if you're getting them just kind of fed to you one at a time instead right. of a fire hose of stuff. <laughs> and now you got to like unpack all of that and then figure it all out. This is why some people do these experiences once every decade because there's right. so much. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's really about how do you unpack that and how do you integrate that into your life? And you were talking about these people who will do these experiences yet they go back to their old ways. And that reminded me of the analogy that I use for neural pathways, which is, imagine a luge track, right? And you've got mm -hmm. this icy track and you've yeah. got a bobsled and our pattern in old ways are this like slick luge track. Yeah. And we can get on that sled and we can be shot off the end of it before we're even aware of what we're doing. <laughs> and what can happen with NLP and with psychedelics is you are now suddenly presented with a new path, but it's brand new. So that yeah. means snowshoes. <laughs> we're starting <laughs> with the basics. We're taking snowshoes and we're pattern patterning in a path, right? And then we're going to like take the snowblower and make it really wide. Okay, cool. That's good. But we got to like build the track, place the ice on it. So that what happens is when you're presented with the same scenario, the brain is like, I'm confused. I don't know which one to go down. Yes, we're getting somewhere, right? Like confusion is good because now you get to choose. Mm. Do I go down the new one oh. or do I go down the old one? And okay. so, you know, that is a really great place to be. And then with NLP, some of the techniques that um, I use, we actually take that old loose track and we take the chainsaw to the legs and we start like cutting it up and breaking it down. So yeah. the brain doesn't even have that option anymore. It's yeah. harder to go down that one and easier to go down the snowshoe path. And wow. that's what we want is we want that brain efficiency to be able to go towards that. So when my clients come to me and they're like, I'm really confused. I'm like, fabulous. This is amazing because now we're getting somewhere with the neurology. Yeah. Like you, you, yeah. Confusion is a better place than, than being stuck, I guess. Um, and also, to, I mean, it's it's interesting, like we're talking about neuroplasticity here a lot, right? Yes, and, that's exactly what we're talking about. You know, uh, you know, many, many people may or may not know psilocybin increases neuroplasticity, which is the ability to adapt and overcome to new changes or challenges. And what you're talking about with neurolinguistic programming. Oh, is that a, is that a neuron? An axon? This is a neuron, right? Nice. And so neuroplasticity. So for everybody who's kind of like, what does that mean? So these are called dendrites. Here. Yep, dendrites. And um, all neurons look this cute, just oh saying. Um, these dendrites start to reach out to new cells in the yeah. presence of psilocybin. Wow. And that is neuroplasticity. Yeah. That's incredible. So um, the if you could show those dendrites again, the, that's the, um, I'm trying to think. Oligodendron. This is the plush version. 
it's a, it's I love it. This is this is going on in my brain right now. I know it is. Um, the oligodendlial. Am I saying that right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oligodendlio? Yeah. Yes. Um, Amanita muscaria's main compound, muscimol, um, protects those uh, those cells from cell death. And so it can actually increase neuroprotection, which is interesting. That's, that's why, amazing. That's why yeah. like some, some people actually will incorporate Amanita and uh, psilocybin right. and potentially even lion's mane for the, the neurogenic, neurogenesis. Yeah. Uh, so that that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. So imagine <laughs> a bunch of these connected together. Yeah. That's a neural pathway. And right. so when we are destroying that lose track, we right. are disconnecting them. And then these guys, the dendrites, start to search and they're like, who else can I find? I need to pair up with somebody. Yeah. And they make a new neural pathway. And right. it's amazing. And that's Super literally cool. like that analogy, that that visualization is literally how we change our life. Yes. That is literally how. Yes, it is. That is like. On it's how we change school. our biology. Yeah. It's how we change the things that are happening in our life. It's yeah. That's amazing. It's pretty Just, wild and amazing. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you about, man, there's so many things I want to ask you about. Um. I don't know how much time you have, but uh, you still you still have a little bit of time or what do you think? I do? Yeah. Okay. No, I blocked off the full two hours. We've got Great. 40 okay. minutes. Well, let, let's just keep rolling then um, because you can I mean, you, turn this into a two parter if you want to. I, I just there's so much here and these are all things I'm passionate about. And that's why like I wanted to interview everybody who works with mycology psychology, because this is just like this is my jam. Um, and I really love. The fact that, um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about your wellness curiosity collective retreats. Am I am I saying that right? Yeah, so, the wellness curiosity collective is an online community. And then the retreats are in-person experiences. Okay. Yeah. So could you um, talk about like those retreats as in-person experiences? Like, sure. How, what do you what do you do with people with that? I'm curious, because I, I, I think that, you know, forest bathing and going outside is like, is such a crucial thing that we can't prescribe but it's like <laughs> yeah so why can't we prescribe it because it's just it is you know there, we can prescribe no it <laughs> what's that oh well, yeah we can oh, we can't it. patent it we can't and we can't put it, it right. in a pill bottle you're right you're absolutely right, right. we can't put right. it in a pill bottle but right. i prescribe uh nature for a lot of my clients um <laughs> i've been wanting to do in-person experiences for a long time and of course uh that kind of got put on the kibosh when COVID hit. Um, <clears throat> and I think, ironically, it kind of increased the need for people to want to reconnect in in-person ways afterwards, right? So yeah. uh, in-person experiences have been something that I've, I've really wanted to do for a long time. Um, this year in 2023, I co-host on the Wildly Optimized Wellness podcast, Evie Contopos. Uh, she and I have put together a couple different retreat experiences. So she's hosted some on the East Coast in Ohio. Um, I'm hosting the ones on the West Coast in Oregon. She also, it's already sold out. So sorry, folks, but get on the wait list for next year. She's doing one in Greece because she's um, born and raised in that culture so oh, wow. she's doing one in greece yeah i know oh uh gosh. sounds amazing but you said ohio yeah ohio what, what part of ohio 
she is in Cincinnati. So her business is, is founded in Cincinnati and we did this out at Hawking Hill state park. Oh my we gosh. just did it a couple weeks ago. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. so cool. I'm I'm not too far from there, uh, you know, within a couple hours. Oh, well, the next one I'm out for, we'll have to hang out. That'll be cool. Yeah. yeah definitely. Um, so the retreats that I'm hosting in Oregon, which are the ones that are still available um, because we've already done the Ohio ones this year, uh, I'm doing two different like themes. So the one that's coming up in July, that's going to be the summer healing retreat. And that is incorporating a lot of these different avenues of healing in terms of the energetic, emotional, spiritual bodies. Um, so things like sound healings and some breath work and some energetic work, a cacao ceremony. Mm. Um, I'm doing some subconscious work with people and giving them some exercises to work with the subconscious during the few days that they're there. We're going to get out in nature, of course, um, get some sunrise in, of course, um, and some sonic cold plunge and just have it be kind of a rejuvenating type weekend. So that is uh, the 30th of June through the 3rd of July. Okay. Um, and then the other one is called the Wilderness Reset Retreat, and that's yeah. in October. And that is incorporating all of these aspects that we've been talking about in terms of using nature to heal and quantum biology and all of those experiences. I found this really cool property that is a smack dab in the middle of the national forest. Mm, and okay. um, so we will be spending a lot of time outdoors. I'm going to be leading some hikes, but all of the exercises are tied into the themes of the earth elements. So earth, air, water, and fire. Um, so we're bringing all of those aspects in as well as I am bringing a chef who does wild foraging. And oh, so, wow. um, yeah, so he's going to have foraged meals at oh that gosh. one and it's going to be just amazing. So that's, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Whoever's doing that retreat is really um, in for a treat. I mean, that's. Yes, they are. And yeah. if, with any luck, I'm hoping we'll see. But with any luck, we're going to be able to see some mountain goats too, which will okay. be really cool. Yeah. I've got a hike yeah. in mind that I've seen them there before. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. It's, it's so important to incorporate the elements too. Um, yeah. we, we are elemental beings. So um, you know, one thing I like to do, um, is like, I mean, I heat my house with wood, so I always have like, you know, the fire element, but during the summer, um, I will like to, um, light a candle, just lighting mm -hmm. a candle, like during a, a quiet time, meditating or reading a book. Um, it's so powerful. Just, just having a candle, um, yeah. incorporating the elements of earth, going out and grounding, um, breathing fresh air, the, 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 you know, um, air element and, um, and then also, uh, you know, the water, you know, drinking healthy water, spring water, or, you know, filtered water. Um, because we're going to we have are... a water sommelier experience at that one too. What's that? We're having a water sommelier experience at that one too, at the wilderness reset. What, what does that entail? <laughs> a water, so, sommelier. Uh, water sommelier. So, um, Oh, we're going to go on a deep dive you in just water, aren't we? Uh, so 
I want to curate an experience for them to understand the difference between different kinds of water. And so, of course, we'd look at in functional medicine, we'd look at water quality and water toxin reports and, and that kind of thing. But then there's this other aspect of using the fourth phase of water and the fourth phase of water, um, people call it structured water, but mm. in, there's ice, liquid water, steam. And then this fourth phase is kind of like a gel, like like a plasma, right? Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it is what is the liquid inside our cells is this fourth phase of water. Okay. And so um, having structured water and spring water be part of this water sommelier experience. So we're going to take like a Dasani water, right? That's like filtered from, I think, Coca-Cola is still, yeah, purified, whatever. Right. So we're just going to take these different kinds of waters and different mineral waters and um, also spring headwater because yeah. the property is right next to a very special river called the Metolius River and the headwaters that come out of the lava rock mm. are just down the road. So we're going to oh include all of these different waters for people to experience not only the flavor and texture but how they feel. Yeah. When they're when they're drinking them. So oh that is gosh. one of the water element exercises. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And I I um am reminded now where uh about the structured water, how um I had some friends talking about with foraging, um yeah. foraging really um juicy, succulent plants and like the crunch and then their in their fiber and their in their cells, um eating, you know, eating that structured water and mm -hmm. how how nourishing it is like to us on a, on a cellular level. Yeah. The more having... that we can find structured water, the better um, yeah. for our biology, for sure. Right. It's our cells operate better with structured water. Um, and what I've noticed since we have a water filtration system that has a structuring chamber for it, and what I've noticed since we've put that in our house is that I can stay hydrated with less volume of oh, water okay. than needing to drink a whole gallon a day yeah. um, because the structured water can easily um, absorb into the cells. So our water uptake actually is stronger using structured water. Is it, um, uh, we use a Berkey filter, which is good, but uh, I know they're, but, you know, it, it's like, Berkey is like the best off-grid, simple, you know, surefire water uh, purification system. But I know there, I mean, I've had Canyon water before. Um, is that what you have or what, what kind of machine do you have? Canyon is alkalizing the water. So it's slightly changing the, the pH of the water. I use a, right. a system by a company called Atla, A-T-L-A. Okay. Um, and I can give you the information to put in the show notes for that, but they sure. have a three-phase filtration system, very similar to the filter quality of the Berkey. Yeah. And I didn't mention this, but my husband studied chemistry in college when I was okay. studying biochemistry. So I've leaned on him a lot to understand the filtering systems and the different toxins that can be in our water and all of that stuff. Um, and so the filter quality is very similar to a Berkey system, but they have an additional chamber that allows the water to be vorticized 
So vortices down and back up. And that chamber is lined with magnesium. So magnesium is also going back into the water. Mm, And so you're getting a mineralized form of active structured water. And so that it's that motion that creates the molecules of structured water, which is, um, it's not H2O, it's H3O2 is what structured water is. So that motion allows the atoms to rearrange into a different physical structure. Okay. Still water, but now it's a little bit, you can tell the consistency is a little bit, not gel-like and and what we would think like jello. It's a little bit more, um, viscous. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to like, it's thicker, has like more of a slip to it. A little um, bit. It's not maybe... slippery like soft water. Okay. Soft water can yeah. be very slippery. So you may be feeling soft structured water, which would okay. be even more so. We right. have very hard water where we are. And so I would say that the viscosity of the water is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels different. It definitely yeah. feels different. So I know one thing <clears throat> that the the uh, the Canyon water machine does too like you can change the pH, it has a filtration system. And it also, um, I think it, it micronizes the water. It makes it like, um, hmm. or, uh, I forget what the, the term is. But I, I remember feeling like I could drink a lot of it. And I didn't have the sloshy feeling in my stomach, like, oh, carrying on mm-hmm. a lot of water. Um, yeah, and that's, that's one thing I liked about the King water machine um yeah but i mean there are you know i don't like, like the price of the king and water machine i was gonna say they're 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 like four thousand dollars um and it yeah. is a pyramid scheme as well like i have i have so i know some people who like you know sell it and they just get checks in the mail because you know the referrals and everything and mm-hmm. uh, so you know they, they fit that into their their uh pricing bracket <laughs> so Um, Yeah, exactly. So I I don't really like the price of it. And when I've been doing research on structured water systems, it doesn't ever come up. So I don't think they have whatever that micronizing is mechanism that they're doing. It's not the same as restructuring the water. Yeah. And and so like taking water as an analogy of like how we are taking this in, I mean, we are, you can even kind of say it on a, on a quantum level as well. I mean, yeah, you, at, at least cellular, um, you know, we, we are mostly water. Uh, the planet we live in is mostly water. Um, and if we are in this <clears throat> kind of um, left brained, you know, patriarchal uh, capital capita means head capitalism um, society where um, it's more, it's more about the materialism. It's more about the, um, you know, uh, just like the bottom line and the, the, it's not about the quality of life. It's not about the, the art and the nuance and the play. Um, it, it, you could almost draw that analogy to like the kind of water we drink is run through these lead pipes and right angles and it's dead and it's full of poisons and toxins um, you know, as far as you're talking about this, like this water, this restructured, it sounds so beautiful. Um, you know, it's, it's like spun in this vortex and then we, we drink that and consume that. And it kind of, I don't know, I, I, I'd say that it, it would probably just as NLP is like changing our mind, like this, this type of water is changing our physiology. Would you agree? A thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, because what we know now about 
anything that we invite into our body. So water, food, et cetera, it's all information. Everything that we eat is information. The water is information. And when I say information, what I mean is I'm really talking about um, epigenetics. So epigenetics is the study of our environment's influence on how DNA is expressed and what comes forward of our DNA, right? And so the type of food we eat is part of that environmental information that is then given to our cells and our cells respond and express certain types of proteins and compounds and hormones and, and all of that. And so this is structured water is very much the same. So it's giving the information to the cells to be able to do what they need to do best given Mm -hmm. that structured water, if we think about structured water in a natural environment, so let's forget about the vortices and all that stuff. That's us trying to adapt a artificially municipal water system into something that's a little bit more healthy. Um, But in nature, water flows over rocks. It's constantly in motion. Mm -hmm. And our ancestors knew to drink from streams that were in motion versus stagnant water because stagnant water is what creates disease it what you know it's it's got its whole life cycle but we weren't drinking from stagnant water locations as much as possible we were looking for water that was in motion and so if we think about water from that standpoint the most natural um source of water is going to come from that kind of environment. And that's how our biology evolved right next to that kind of water. And so it makes sense that our genetics evolved in a way to express based off of that kind of water. And Mm -hmm. when we go into this like artificial lifestyle, living in boxes with UV lights and drinking water that's coming out of a municipal system that has chlorine and fluoride and added to it and all of this stuff. Now our cells are not getting the right information. So it's no wonder that they're malfunctioning. Right. Right. So the more that we kind of return ourselves to nature as much as possible, which is kind of the theme of my podcast, the wildly optimized wellness podcast is looking at how do we let's look at that Venn diagram intersection between the natural world and wellness and where they overlap. And that's really kind of why I started that podcast is to start talking about how can we get closer and closer to our natural world to restore our health and yeah. hopefully at the same time, restore the ecology of the planet. Yeah. And I think that we might be able to get there. And I kind of like the fact that we went through a pandemic. I may be the first person saying that, but I like it because to me, the pandemic offered people an opportunity to get outside our national parks are getting record numbers of visitors yes that comes with its own problems please people leave no trace if you don't know what that means please look that up my brother is a park ranger and he really really (laughs) dealt with it (laughs) yes but but yes but people um, are discovering how beautiful this planet is mm -hmm. and so they're getting outside more and the pandemic offered us an opportunity to really sit with ourselves right and face our own shit (laughs) because when we're not being distracted by going to work every day and doing all the things and we're forced to stay at home right we're kind of left looking at ourselves and some people really flourished with that and some people cratered and you 
you know, so it's really kind of been this unique opportunity for us to get reconnected with nature and start to incorporate some of the things we've been talking about is that our whole health is not based off of just the one physical body. Like we have to incorporate the emotions and the energetics and the spiritual realm into it so that we can have that whole meta view right. without being meta. Yeah. Right. The corporation. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can put a trademark on meta apparently, but you, you can't patent the sun, but you can trademark meta. Um, and that, that just like the whole thing with the, in talking about the pandemic, like it goes back to what I was saying. Like I have two things in life, blessings and blessings in disguise. And like, I, you know, I always try to find like the medicine, like where, what's the medicine here? Um, and I 100% agree. Like that whole, like, you know, really like a two year period um, for, for myself personally was like a deep dive into my shadow work. And yeah. man, I have, I've grown so much in the last two years, more than I have in a decade. Um, and it's because I had to sit, sit down and, and show up. Like there's no, there, my life was pushing me forward into that. Like we need to, you know, evaluate some things here. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. So, man, and I'm thinking there's so many like amazing analogies. I was thinking about the, the stagnant pond and how, what happens in ourself if we become stagnant, we get filled with disease and it's almost mm -hmm. like life is just telling us like, Hey, like there's forward momentum propelling our, our beings into existence. Like all we have is this present moment and it's just moving forward. And yeah. if you are stagnant, like you're going to die. <laughs> like it's just, it, it, the only way to, to be is to be moving forward. And that may not be on your terms. That's meeting life on life's terms, um, yeah. which goes back to like everything we're talking about, which is like, it's not about what happens to you. It's what, it's how you respond to it. Um, yeah. So Man, I just um, want to interject yeah, on that yeah. in that you're absolutely right. Like if we are stagnant, we're, we're heading into the wrong direction. We're heading to our death pretty quickly. Um, or at least we're accelerating that. There are times too, where people genuinely want something else, but they feel stuck. Right. 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 So anybody listening to this, I just want them to understand that if you find that you're stagnant and you feel stuck, but you have this desire to have something different, mm -hmm. that is the time to, to reach out and asking for help, find a coach or find, you know, somebody to help you with that process, find a therapist. Like it doesn't matter who you find, mm -hmm. but getting beyond that feeling of stuckness, because what I see a lot with chronic illness has a lot to do with the nervous system status and the nervous system can be in fight or flight and it can be in what we call parasympathetic, which is the rest, digest, heal mode, which is where we want it. But right. fight or flight also has this component of freeze, fight, flight, freeze. Right. And it's when we're in that freeze state of like, I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to stay here because I don't know what to do. Very true. That. Yeah that too is the nervous system stuck in the sympathetic state. And so part of the work that I do with clients is getting them to work with their nervous system 
mm-hmm. and getting it to shift over into the parasympathetic, it might be for 10 seconds the first time and then it goes right back. Right. And yeah. then we just practice though. And the more that they can get ambidextrous with their nervous system, the more that they can get that flexibility, mm-hmm. the easier the rest of this stuff is. So just because you find yourself in a stagnant pond right now does not mean that you are destined for death. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. You can absolutely make those shifts, but it may require reaching out for some help. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. It's um, the, the freeze aspect is kind of newer in our, um, in our culture, like recognizing that um, we have fight or flight. That's, you know, it's pretty obvious. It's it's very clear whenever somebody is running away or um, going in and, you know, defending themselves or attacking, going on the offense. Yeah. And the one that is more um, subtle is that freeze aspect. And a lot of times that can manifest in ways that we don't even know. Um, a lot of times people just tune out, um, you know, or they, mm-hmm. I mean, that could also be, be flight, but you know, if somebody like what, what are some symptoms that you would say like that could happen in somebody's life whenever they're met with some kind of traumatizing thing and they're in that, that freeze state, because it's so hard to tell, you know, what are some things that you could offer the listeners? Like, Hey, you might be in that kind of state. Like you might be stagnant um, so that they could recognize like, okay, it's time to make a change. Yeah. Overwhelm is, Mm -hmm. That feeling of overwhelm is very common with freeze um, because there's that sense of like, this isn't good, but I, I don't know what to do. Um, decision fatigue, mm-hmm. right? So if you're unable to make a decision or there's too many options and you haven't been able to pare it down, that's also a state of freeze. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, or you had mentioned kind of, disconnecting sometimes apathy can also be a state of freeze like numbness um, almost numbness yeah, n- yeah lack of motivation that one's kind of uh that's got a spectrum of its own like some of those emotions are related to depression or they're related to sadness but they can also be related to a nervous system that is just stuck in freeze right and doesn't really know what to do, right. you know, and I kind of put myself in that situation last year. So I did a little experiment and I uh, forced myself to take some time off from work, like four full weeks of time wow. off. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the idea intellectually was just like, oh, this is going to be great. And I'm going to be in Oregon and I'm going to be like hiking wildflower meadows and just tra-la-la skipping along. And that's not what happened. I kind of mm. didn't know what to do with myself. And so mm. I stayed on the couch and I didn't leave my house. And I was like, oh, this is weird. I feel really apathetic. Why is this happening? And um, and what I recognize is my nervous system, because I like to distract myself with busyness as a way to avoid things, avoid shadows right. and all that stuff, right? So right. I noticed that Same. my nervous system stayed in fight or flight. But instead of being on go, go, go all the time, constantly busy, it shifted into freeze. Mm. That's all it did. Interesting. 
So it took me a while to really start to get myself into a place of, oh, this is a nervous system thing and I need to move this over here. There were also some emotion stuff that I needed to look at and do some inner work on. But at the same time, it was like, oh, it's a nervous system piece. And that I had to do some recalibration with. But I see that a lot with clients. That's is this nervous system stuckness. I I feel like you're, you're speaking my story. (laughs) Like I, uh, you know, uh, back in, um, January, I I went on a, um, a winter teepee retreat with my friends. And this is something we started the first winter after the pandemic began and Mm -hmm. we were stuck in our houses, you know, for so long. And we were like, you know, me and my guy friends, we were like, you know, like we need an adventure. Like we need something challenging, you know, we need to like test ourselves. So, we decided to, in the middle of the winter in Pennsylvania, with two one to two feet of snow, go out Love and it. build a teepee and live in it for a, a weekend. And so we were like, this is our thing. Like we were like forged in the fire together, uh, like brotherhood, you know? And it was a powerful thing. And we decided to do it again this past January. And I had some, I had some inner work I needed to do. I knew it. And I was like, I'm going to stay for the weekend and then I'm going to stay for another two weeks by myself with my dogs. And so we had our weekend together. It was great. And then, uh, I had the next two weeks and, you know, I'm, I'm a very, uh, I'm a, I'm a go-getter. I'm a very uh, busy person. I have a lot of things, you know, that, you know, I, I can, I can dip into workaholism, you know, to distract myself, uh, from, you know, deeper shadow work that needs to happen. And, you know, it's easy to just focus on something else if you have a billion things that you're working on, right? So whenever I didn't have anything as that, like, um, you know, it's like you go from the fight mode to uh, what you think is like, I'm going to relax now. And then you just like get stagnant and you're like, oh, wait, (laughs) what am I doing? (laughs) What? Yeah. uh, uh, Yeah. I don't know what to do with myself. And I had that, uh, I had a little bit of that while I was in the teepee and I just noticed how like I was, I was kind of miserable and, um, for a little bit. And I had this breakthrough moment where, you know, um, I mean, just to like, you know, I, I, I wanted to do a whole podcast on this and I will probably by myself cause I wrote down every day, but, um, I think I have a lot of trauma from being a teenager and a young adult and chronically smoking weed all the time. Like I was always in my car and like smoking and like wondering if I smelled or if there was a cop behind me and I would, you know, I, I, I um, had a lot of PTSD around that, you know, a lot of fear around like imprisonment and like losing my freedom. Right. So I'm camping in this teepee by myself thank God I had my dogs because I would have lost my freaking mind. Um, and the, the white noise of the river actually in my mind sounded like police sirens. And Mm. I was not on any psychedelics or anything, you know, completely sober, but the problem was I had no distractions. So Mm -hmm. all I hear is this police siren over and over again. And I'm like, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm like cutting wood because it's January and it's cold and I'm making breakfast, police sirens, police sirens. I'm right by the river. I hear police sirens nonstop. And I'm also like resisting it. 
and I'm kind of like getting pissed off and like depressed and like like this is really pissing me off. And then I'm sorry, no, you're good. Giggle. No, 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 it's hilarious. It's hilarious. If you want to talk about the subconscious trying to get your attention. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. you have fear around imprisonment and, and you have fear around um, having your freedom taken away. Like if, if I could have like if I could go to the deepest part of like my fear is like being uh, like not being free, like not really like yeah. like being locked in a box like that to me is like. And is it oh. isn't it ironic sort of that here you were in nature as free as you possibly could have been do anything i want and you were self-imprisoning yourself exactly right yes yeah exactly so sometimes uh, the universe has uh quite a sense of humor it was so funny and like i have i have like obsessive neurotic tendencies which can be a good thing where like i can focus on you know, like my business, and I can create like a bunch of business ideas, or I can help somebody in their, um, in their wellness, um, you know, and, and help them like, really work on what they're working on. But it also every like everything is a double edged sword. So, you know, it's it's a little bit after my first week in this teepee, and it's just constant police sirens. And I'm like, really starting to get pissed off now. And I remember, um, and I have, I was diagnosed with ADHD as a kid. I don't know what that really is, but one thing I noticed, uh, or I remember my best friend, um, who passed away was diagnosed with ADHD and he went to a naturopath and the naturopath told him that he was allergic to citrus and dairy. And those two food items were actually perpetuating his ADHD symptoms. And that was his experience. But I noticed whenever I eat like just an orange, like my mind will go crazy. And so I'm sitting there after I cook my meal on the fire in my teepee. And it's a little bit into the last week. And I'm really kind of not looking forward to the rest of the week. I kind of want to go home. I'm in that point of resistance. And I eat this orange and I start to lose it. It's all the police sirens. And it's the I'm counting down how many meals I have to make and how many more nights I have to sleep in this freaking sleeping bag and all this stuff. And I'm hearing my friend Parker, uh, fungi flows. If you're listening, I love you, brother. I'm hearing him saying, you know, you got to make it the two weeks or else you're going to, you know, you're going to regret not, not going. And, uh, and I'm just losing it. And I'm like, all right, well, there's nowhere to go. None of this is real. It's all in my head. So I'm just going to sit here and face it. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just like, yep, police sirens. Okay. Yeah. All right. Losing my shit. Okay. All right. And I'm like about to just like pack my shit up and go to my truck and leave. And I was like, well, I'm not going anywhere. This, I'm just going to face this. And I sat there and, you know, I prayed to my higher power and I was like, I'm writing this down, like in my journal, like, yep, losing my shit. But I'm just, I'm here for it, whatever it is. And eventually it got better and it, it didn't get so overwhelming. And then I woke up the next morning and I started to hear these police sirens, but I said, you know what, if I'm going to lose my, if I'm going to be an insane person, I'm going to make up my own song. So 
instead of having these freaking police sirens, I just made up this really obnoxiously cheerful whistle. And I'm sitting there, I'm sawing logs, I'm getting ready. And I'm like, do, 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 you know, and I'm like making up this freestyle, I'm freestyling to it. And I'm just like, if anybody hears me right now, they're gonna be like, this dude is crazy. And I don't even care. And it ended up once I broke through that resistance and I went through that threshold of uncomfortability, I broke through to true serenity. And yeah. the rest of that trip was the best part. And I, I was so, I was like sad to go, you know, after that, but yeah, yeah. I just felt oh, like I needed to share that. That's such a gem too, because <clears throat> you know, that the brain will present us what we need to work on the subconscious brain will will present that to us and a lot of times it's uncomfortable straight up right yeah. and that is the moment where people will either hightail it and go back to their comfort zone or they will actually go through it and find what's on the other side and almost always what's on the other side is something that they could never imagine Right. Yeah. And it's, it's almost always better than where they were, but it does require the hero's journey in that way. Right. We're all on this hero's journey and Absolutely. that's, that's why they call it a heroic dose, isn't it? Um, so, you know, it's like going through that is really, really important. And, you know, there are NLP techniques that will take emotions that are uncomfortable emotions and we'll, we'll go through a systematic way of approaching those emotions. And almost always, you come out the other side into this, like, amazingness. And it's, this work requires more courage than anything else that I know, right? Yeah. It's, it's like we're a firefighter going into the burning building every time. Yeah. But what comes out of it on the other side is so, so amazing. And I just think it's amazing that you did that because you're right. You could have hightailed it and packed up, gone in your truck and gone home. Yeah. And that would have been going back to your comfort zone and you wouldn't have gone through that experience. And right. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So and good. so thank you. Thank you. So did you, in your experience, when you took the four weeks off, did you yeah. go through a period of the stagnation and then you, you, did you feel like you made it through to, um, yes. okay. So share, share about that. Yeah. So, you know, there was definitely stagnation. There was a lot of disappointment because I was not, you know, skipping through wildflower meadows. Um, <laughs> yeah. there was a point where I, I really have for a long period of time in my life and we're going to get into more of a story here, but that's fine. I, I grew up with a parent who had a uh, mental illness and w I didn't really become aware of it until much, much later in, in life. And, but I knew that she had clinical depression and I knew that it, she struggled with it. And I was terrified that I was going to be clinically depressed and that I was going to turn out like that. And so anytime depression came up, 
You bet. I would sign up for another course. I would do something else. I would create something new. I would constantly be doing something that required my busyness. Yeah. Laundry, great. Sounds awesome. Let's do that. <laughs> right? So I would stay busy as a way to not feel the depression. And so in this like four week period of time that I was taking time off, I started to feel depressed and I started to get those thoughts of like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm going down the rabbit hole. This is, I'm going to end up being diagnosed with clinical depression if I can't like knock this off. But I also know that I can't just pick up and go back to work. I had a coach holding me accountable for not going back to work. Amazing. And so, which was amazing because we, yeah, it was tough. You know, it was like, okay, I got to stop this tendency. I've got to face it. And what I recognized in that moment is that it didn't have to be forever, even though it felt like it was going to be forever. Mm. So my clients get this too, right? They like get a regression. They have some symptoms come back and they're like, I'm always going to be this way. Our brain lies to us when it says it'll always be that way. This is forever. (laughs) Totally. Totally. So I had to recognize like, okay, this isn't going to be forever. So just ride it, feel it. Don't make it mean a bunch of shit because we like to make things mean stuff. We're meaning making machines. Don't make (laughs) it mean anything. Just feel the emotion of it. And so I I used um, what I call somatic senses of just like, what am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I feeling? What am I tasting? What am I smelling right now? So I'm calling in all my senses in in this state of being depre- depressed. And I'm recognizing that I'm still in the same circumstances where two weeks ago I was totally happy and fine, right? right. So the circumstance didn't change. So for me, that was a big aha. It was like, okay, something else is going on. So just allow that emotion to be and lean into it just like you leaned into your police sirens, so to speak, right? Right. And leaning into it, I was able to just feel what it felt like, but not have it mean anything. Because I was attaching meaning of of like, I'm going to get a diagnosis if Mm. I feel this too much. Right. And instead, I was able to just feel it. And when I was able to feel it, the magic of emotions, they usually dissipate in five minutes. Yeah. And then it went away. And I was like, wait a minute. It's really that easy? Not easy. But it's it's that simple of right. being able to feel the emotion, allow the emotion to come out. And once the emotion comes out, then there's the other side. Then things started to be a little bit lighter. Then I got inspired to do more. Um, sorry, I need to turn all these things off again. You're good. Um, then I was inspired to meet more people and go out and take my dog for a hike and start to do the things that I wanted to do. And so I got that motivation back, but I was able to get myself motivated to do things other than work as the distraction. So that was, I mean, that was without any plant medicines or anything else. That was just me sitting by myself. Yeah. Being with myself. And like I said previously about the pandemic, like we all got that opportunity to just sit with ourselves. And some of us, you know, went through that experience as a, as a growth opportunity. And some people, the wheels came off. Yeah. And so it's, it's about yeah. 
you know, really being able to sit with yourself and recognize how much of this am I making up by making up meaning about it? Yeah. And am I choosing to believe those meanings? And that's where things get tricky because yeah. when we believe what we're thinking, that's when we get into the psychoneuroimmunology piece. So that kind yeah. of ties it all together. Oh, it really does. I mean, it's, that was, wow, that's so profound. Um, thank you for sharing that experience. And you're welcome. You know, I know that's kind of personal, vulnerable. So, but it's, it speaks to a lot of people. I know that a lot of people are going to resonate with that. And a lot of people might resonate with my story as well. Um, about the, we're, we're, a lot of times we're just afraid to sit with ourselves. You know, I mean, we're, we're always like, you know, any downtime we're like, oh, you know, I got this phone thing to, to rob my boredom. Um, and really there's such a depth of knowing to be, to be found inside of ourselves that is just beyond the distraction. And like mm. you said, it is not easy, but it's simple. A lot of the greatest truths in life are so simple. Um, yeah. But to the mind, you know, it's got to be complicated. It's got to be like technical. And and really, it's not really how life truly works. Um, and, you know, I just, I think that, uh, you know, a, a lot of my earlier part of my life was working with psychedelics and like deep, intensive spiritual, you know, retreats, meditation retreats, vipassanas, yoga retreats. And it's kind of like, I'm just weaving all those things together and like seeing how uh, that informs my life and also how the the profound medicine of just sobriety and like being by myself and like taking myself out of comfort zones. Because in a lot of ways, like with psychedelics and with, with spiritual practices, we are doing that in, in another kind of fashion, but there are ways that we can do it that are so simple, like just go outside and go in the sunlight or just make a commitment to yourself that you're not going to work for X amount of days. No phone. Like that's another thing too. Like no electronics. Holy shit. Like I'm out in this teepee and I'm just living it up. Right. And I'm like, oh man, this would be such a good Instagram story. Or like, right? oh man, I, I if I had my phone, I would be taking pictures. Look at my campfire with all my logs. And it's like, you know, Higge vibes. And I'm just like, I have this like internalized capitalism and internalized like media, you know, influencer or whatever you want to call it. And I didn't have a single picture from that entire two weeks. And I was, I was proud of it. I was like, I did so much cool shit. And like, I, you know, I can talk about it, but I don't have any pictures. So whatever. It's okay. It's yeah. quite all right. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. So good. So, wow. Well, um, we should probably start to wrap up this conversation. It's been so great talking with you. Um, I wanted to, ask you about like your bio neuro blueprint program mm -hmm. um and if uh i believe you had a um uh, i'll i'll have it in the show notes you had like a a coupon or an offer for people i do so yeah, yeah. if you could talk about like the the business that you do with like health and wellness sure. and business coaching and then the and yeah sure yeah absolutely so 
Um, I've started something called the Wellness Curiosity Collective, and it's an online community. It's a paid membership community, but I built it because I wanted people to start to have that connection with other people. That's something that we definitely lost during the pandemic was this connection with other people, but also to offer a space to where can we get curious about wellness and all of the different aspects of it? Sure. We can geek out on biochemistry. If you want, we can talk about energetics. If you want, like all of those things are there because it's all connected. And what I love about curiosity is that when we are in a state of curiosity, it is simultaneously impossible to be in a state of judgment. Mm. And so it allows us to get really curious about what what might be possible for somebody. And it's also the same with gratitude. Yes. Um, it's it's like impossible to be in, in a in a state of negativity and also be in a state of gratitude. You yeah, you can't do those. And yeah. it, it's it's lovely in that way. And so I created this community so that we can keep each other accountable if we need to have some accountability partners, you know, and we can declare like, okay, this is what I'm going to focus on. Maybe it's not a goal, but I might focus on getting outside more this week, but I need some help and some accountability for that. And, you know, being able to have a space for people to come together and set intentions together because intentions are so important, you know, mm -hmm. and have that aspect of community. Um, I run a, a quarterly nervous system reset challenge, which is a free challenge, but that happens also on the community as well. So we, you know, take five days and learn these different tools of like recalibrating the nervous system and getting it to shift into parasympathetic and away from sympathetic. So that's always a fun thing. And then I also have people come in and do guest workshops there. So cooking oh, wow. classes and breathing technique and all of those different human design, like energetic work, like oh, all of these wow. different people come in and give these workshops, these interactive workshops for people. So they have access to those kinds of things. So that's what the wellness curiosity collective is. Okay. And so I am giving your audience a uh, discount for their first month on that at any of the different levels. Cool. Um, and then as far as the BioNeuro Blueprint, that is uh, something that I teach in the Transformation Academy. And okay. that is a group program where I teach people the, the basics of doing that identity shifting that we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. But I've come up with a uh, process that is a repeatable process that people can follow. And I teach them that process. And that is the BioNeuro Blueprint, where we're looking at all of the different steps that are in, involved Mm -hmm. in changing our our mind and our habits and changing that over. And so that is a program that I've run several times uh, in the past. And I've had people come in and completely change relationships and completely, you know, magnify their careers and find their purpose and change their health. Like there's a lot of different ways that you can use that blueprint. And I offer that in a cohort and we'll probably do one this fall again. Okay, yeah. cool. So that'd be like a, like a groups, group session kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So that will include my own teachings. So I've got some recorded teachings, but then also uh, we'll come together in live groups and kind of talk through the different worksheets and just see what's going on for people. And then I offer live coaching for that. And that is technically a online cohort program, but yeah, yeah, the transformation Academy is where you get the bio neuro blueprint. 
Okay, yep. cool. Well, I'll I'll include that and in, in all the other links to everything Great. that you're into in the in the show notes for people. And um yeah, I just really I really want to thank you um for for being a part of this and uh coming on. You know, it, I think that um you have really really lived your life in a lot of ways uh you know as the um you know healer heal thyself kind of mm -hmm. um modality of of um you know on the on your path and i i really want to commend you for that because it takes a lot of courage um to step outside of the 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 painful discomfort of any kind of illness be it physical mental emotional or spiritual um and step outside of like what we we're talking about that that comfort zone um it's really like this um you know misery zone that we just get stuck in and we we kind of don't know it's like you know when you're saying like if you're feeling stagnant like you know you can reach out to people like reach out to a coach or somebody like that um but you know just circling back like a lot of people who are really into the healing path have come from places of un unhealth and and sickness um and it's just amazing to see that like you and your life like the proof is in the pudding so thank uh thank you for being who you are and yeah uh, thank you well it's my belief that we have encoded into our dna the uh genes that we need to heal because the body has this innate capability to heal um it's my job to help somebody else get out of their own way yeah. Right. And recognize how we are getting in the way and get out of the way so that the body can do that. And that yeah. it, at the end of the day is what I'm all about. So awesome. Well, thank, thank you, you. Torea. And uh, I know that people really are going to love this uh, interview and it's just been such a pleasure talking to you and um, yeah, look forward to connecting soon. Cool. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Wildly Optimized Wellness Podcast. If you are ready to dig deeper into your health, stop playing the wackest symptom game, start testing to get better guidance, you can find more about Terea at tereyarodriguez.com and you can find Evie at holisticallyrestored.com. Want to peek into what it's like to work with us? Come join us at our Optimized Wellness community. You can find the invitation link in the show notes below. And if you have a question for the show, you can submit your question under the podcast section of TereaRodriguez.com. Finally, if you found something helpful in this episode, don't forget to leave a review, hit that follow button, or share it with a friend. They're going to love that you thought of them. Until next time, see you outside.